Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, a lot of noise about cops retiring at record rates. And of course, when I heard their initial report, it was uh, New York police officers leaving the force in record numbers. And then I find that it's purely a question of them retiring and their retirement numbers going up. My guess is to the extent the timing of that stuff is under their control, they probably weren't eager to retire last year because although they get tremendous package for retiring and it lasts the rest of their lives, if last year they took a lot, they there wasn't much to do because of COVID and they were getting better full pay or whatever, you would expect last year's retirements to have been suppressed and this year's retirements to be uh, kind of taking double what they would otherwise have been. I don't know. I didn't spend a lot of time on the math, but this was a story I had last week and I didn't bring it because I just wasn't totally top of mind. But they bring the story up again today in the headlines about how it's happening everywhere. It's happening in Chicago. It's happening in Philadelphia. It's all over the place. And I started to think, then you, you hear a lot of stories about the rookie cops drag racing and crashing the cars and um, people needing to be retrained like that chick in Minneapolis and she's too old. It seems like a big changing of the guard with the cops. A lot of, I mean, it's obviously pointing to a wholesale change in policing. And I have to say that when the when the Ferguson thing Ferguson thing happened, which was years ago at this point, I mean I can't remember the year, but it was like 2015, was it maybe? It's 2014, I think. Well, it might have been. It was in August. I remember because I didn't have I, I don't know whenever it was. I didn't have shows WSB shows because of football or something, so I wasn't on it. And when I came back on the air, I knew I had to talk about it because it was still big. And I listened to Obama's speech on the subject, and it was basically kinder and gentler inner city policing. And I thought, well, unless that's coupled with a complete reduction on gun control so that the law abiding citizens are locked and loaded, you're going to have an increase in crime. And I was totally on top of that as a as something that was a problem for big government people because between Clinton and the Republicans or whatever, maybe it was policy, maybe it was something else, crime plummeted to the point where it was the lowest point ever. It peaked in the 90s or in 1990, and then it just plummeted. And I thought, everybody knows that crime is how people get support for government. So I thought that they he was going to try to, that this was kind of the plan was to get crime to go up. And now we are talking about increased crime. And I draw a straight line between whether really reducing policing increases crime, and I'm not convinced it does, or the perception, advertising it all the time, like the Baltimore mayor getting up and saying, we just needed to give them some safe space to riot. Like, And then she was like, I didn't mean that or whatever. But they were really setting it up. And I feel like when you talk about that, the whole thing of defund the police and everything, they are pulling back the arrow. And then so it looks like it's receding, but then they're going to let it fly. It's that creative destruction concept, which can be a good thing, but it can be a bad thing. So they're going to destroy what's there. It reminds me of the 60s. They're going to destroy what 
they're going to take anything that was bad about the old system, destroy the whole thing and replace it with something completely different yeah. that's meant to serve uh, an agenda. And I'm guessing it's pre-crime, total surveillance, uh, mental health policing, just yeah. a, like a whole 21st century approach to policing that will not comport with our foundational legal structure. Yeah. And that all goes together with the protest nation that we live in. That That's not changing. We're going to continue to see protest around any grievance that can divide and conquer the public from here on out because of the way people can be mobilized through social media. And when you have everybody with cameras policing situations themselves, there's no incentive to be a police officer, really, because a good police officer, a quote, good one is going to be worried that anything they do is going to put them in a bad light and it's just de-incentivizes the whole idea of policing. It's interesting that you bring up the protest because I've been boning up on some 9-11 stuff for a an interview that we're going to release this month. And uh, and some of the stuff that I was looking at was old. It was the it's it was about 9-11 and it was some of that raw footage of the atrocities committed by our soldiers over there. Now, I don't know if they're, if that film, the, those films were doctored or I don't know what the story was. I don't look into it myself, but it was shocking. And what we were doing over there was crazy. And when you, when you look at, that's when it matters what truth is. So what was the truth about 9-11? It really matters. Did Iraq do 9-11? No, it did not. So even even the official narrative does not point the finger at Iraq. Yet yeah. we were over there in their country killing people. And that's a problem. So when I and this is how, you know, the Democrat Party is dead forever because they were waiting for Obama to kind of fix that, like to hold people accountable. And he never did. But protest, there were a lot of protests against those wars. And and now I think, you know, we can talk a little bit, if you want, about whether Trump bombed as much as Obama or not. It certainly didn't get the kind of press. There aren't a lot of soldiers going over there coming back. I really don't know. But I really feel like now that Biden's in and he can keep any of anybody on the left who still remembers they were supposed to be anti-war quiet, he can he can chill the anti-war left that we are. He is gearing us up, I think, for a major surge in Middle East war on our part. I really see that coming. And, and, and yet our protests will have, will be two steps removed from really killing innocent people, which is what should be the number one protest that unites us yeah. all against them all. Well, our protests are about do domestic quote, terrorism, which they have put as the top of their priority. In fact, I think Biden said in his speech, the number one threat to the nation is white nationalism. He said something like that in his speech the other day. So, yeah, you're right. We won't even be paying attention to the foreign stuff. So even if the foreign wars are going on, the media has already so, set the frame where they're going to focus on domestic terrorism being the threat. What exactly is the threat of white nationalists? Are they going to kick all people not whatever, wherever they draw the line on white. Like I always wonder, like how, how yeah. white am I? Like which yeah. so, so, so part of that line? I know when my grandfather brought home a Syrian to his Pennsylvania Dutch parents who did not speak English, they, well, they were like kind of Deutsche. She's not, yeah. 
German. Yeah. And so I don't know like what where it goes with that. But I do wonder what is the threat? Like, what is the plan? Like, what is he afraid of? That white nationalists are going to make this whole country white or they're January going 6. to. Another January 6th. But 6. then what are they going to do? What you know what do? I mean? What what are they going to actually affect a white nation somehow? Well, I think the threat is completely bogus. Personally, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. What but is he what, saying? What, what is their premise? What that is presenting? the thing? What are they afraid of? That that there's going to be anarchy or actual, like what is it? Slavery is coming point, back. Race based slavery. Anti anti Asian hate crimes that they say are on the rise. The anti Semitic, all, all the stuff that so, quite often is right. debunked. The I actual the, crimes. Yeah, go ahead. I understand what the concept of white supremacy is, but white nationalism, I don't really understand who thinks they're getting that here ever. You know, I, what I is don't the, know if anybody yeah, thinks yeah. that. But I mean, I, even if you just ran across it sometime, it's like I would like to press Biden on why he thinks that's the biggest threat. Does he think it's it's the biggest threat just because they're going to try or does he think they're actually going to succeed? Like, what is it that he literally thinks is happening? It's a good question. And I, I, I might have missed. I don't know if he said nationalism or what. No, I know. Is the biggest I know. Threat. That, that word comes around, though, regardless yeah. of what. No, yeah, they throw they, call, they conflate them, if you will. That's another, another yeah. one of those words. But they conflate those terms together. And it's just a, a blanket critical yeah, race just, theory type thing, which is also trending today on Twitter. Critical race theory? Critical race theory, yeah. Because the debate that's over, the 16, 19 thing? Yeah, the, that's the, the curriculum that is going in some schools that is the, that 1619 is actually the start of the country and that it was built on racism and systemically racist through and through and always has been. Everything through the, the lens of race. Okay. I mean, I, I, I don't <laughs> even, I'm not even dismissing... I actually think Alison McDowell is right in that and and what I've observed. I actually think race-based neocolonialism is alive and well. Like, I actually think it's a real problem in the world. But I also think that they're misdirecting us. It's kind of like environmentalism. Carbon dioxide... I mean, I, I, I think that I'm kind of leaning towards it's good. Like it is we're better off with carbon dioxide because then you have more plants. But there are serious environmental problems. And I would say it's chemicals from pollution to like us eating them and and or like Prozac in the water supply. Like, I think there is yeah. a real problem. I think electrical pollution is terrible. I found this thing from Russia that said we're worried about harp because they are they are messing with the electrical medium of the earth. I'm like, nobody ever talks about the electrical medium of the earth, but it's real yeah. and it's happening. Like I think that's just a major environmental problem. And there's but I like what these guys are doing with it to, to me seems like a misdirection. And yeah. I and I think they're just simple solutions, like I've said before, about like live streaming URL, any 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 camera the government runs that is not pursuant to a warrant at, according to the Fourth Amendment parameters is public information and should be a live streamed URL. But but they, they don't do it that way because they want to create this narrative and these well, stories. Speaking of that, the judge in the case of Andrew Brown Jr., whose funeral is today, 
he was fatally shot by a police officer the day after the Chauvin case. And it didn't get that much attention at first, but the demands for the body cam footage is what kind of called it into attention. And they showed the family a portion of the body cam footage, and then the judge denied the media's request to have the body cam footage come out. He said that the video will not be released for at least 30 to 45 days while the investigation is underway. And the FBI has announced that it has opened up an investigation into Brown's death. So what's happening right now, protests have unfolded in that area and they are setting the narrative of what they believe happened based on the short clip that some of the family members and the lawyer has seen while they're not going to release it. So at the heart of this controversy, again, is the video and whether or not it's going to be released and the length of the video, the full context of the video. It's you're right. It's a way to divide people. And if they streamed everything all the time, it would make (laughs) it a little bit easier because there would be some sleuths that watched it. Not everybody would watch it, but well, or they would stop having the cameras. Like if people didn't like it, they would be like, oh, everybody can see everything all the time. That's not cool. But in re- it's like Amazon. Amazon used to send me pictures of my package on my doorstep. Have you ever seen that? Yes. So I've gotten yes. that. It's always kind of funny. So I told them not to do it anymore. But it's I, I don't know if they're not taking the picture anymore. It just freaked me out. But yeah. they probably are still taking the picture. Yeah. Well, you know, soon it's going to be drones. Uh, maybe some people are already getting drone deliveries and the drones taking the picture. And we know with the drone technology, only God knows how, how far advanced the drone technology is. And perhaps the government might also know some people in the government as well. But you're seeing drones that are being deployed to deliver food now and to deliver stuff. And they're going to be taking oh, the yeah. photos. So I think what CBS else is doing it. Yeah. All, all that stuff obviously is coming. But I just feel like the transparency would wake people up to what's actually happening in real time. It's getting to a point where everything is going to be filmed, whether it's by us, because we're all all got our cameras on our heads filming everybody else, or by some government organization, which is probably doing it anyway. Yeah, I wonder if... If it is, if there there will ever be pushback or there is pushback now that like if you were to wear a GoPro on your head and stream it to your Facebook constantly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, every person you saw every like there's a person there with a face underneath the street sign. Is that okay? Yeah, because if it's not okay, then I don't think the police stations should be able to do that either. And that's a conversation that I think if we just had the conversation, it would be helpful. And that takes but it I, back to the face mask too. Now the iPhones can now you can open your phone even if you have a mask on. So now even a face mask, if you wanted to cover your face, yes. it cannot protect you. Yes. So but I wanted to finish a point about the Biden thing um, and the Middle East is so I was thinking like, did I think Biden's going to do it? And I thought, wow, like it's like every time there's a new president, there's a billboard of the old president saying, Miss me yeah, I was yet? about to say, yeah, there's yeah. always that one. <laughs> Miss me yet? Because every president is worse than the next one. Yeah. So when people said, well, you should be happy that Trump has not started a new war. And and my idea is like, I think we're involved in like 10 different engagements. Like what, what new war could, we, they've all been well, started. They're just continue to march on. And actually, I've heard, I think Clint, who is a Trump apologist for sure, was telling me. More than once, I asked him to send me the link, but I don't remember if he did or not, that 
Trump dropped at more bombs than Obama, who had dropped who had dropped a lot of bombs. Yet people didn't really emphasize it in the media. So I don't know if I should be grateful that Trump did not escalate in the Middle East. I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. I, I people who defended Trump that way should I have just been happy that he could have been killing more people than he actually killed or that he it wasn't as bad as Biden was going to be. In which case, should I be happy that we have Biden because Kamala Harris is going to be so much worse? Like, I'm not really sure, but I do think that Biden is going to try to finish the job in Syria. I really do. I think also there's a misinterpretation of what war is when we talk about he didn't start any new wars Absolutely, we've been engaged in an information, a narrative war since Trump's since long before Trump was in office. But that was somewhat escalated, at least on the surface. And when you look at these people in military and, and psychological operations, narrative warfare, and these are people, these are high ranking officials. The way they talk about war is that we are at war right now and it is an information. It is a narrative war. So when we talk, he didn't start any new wars. People are focusing on the kinetic, the physical effects when all the military people, they are primarily the soft war is the new warfare and kinetic war is, is complemented. It complements, not complements, kinetic war complements it. So the information. And where is that? Where is that war taking place? Here. America. World, yeah, it's it's take, yeah, well, I, I think, say, we I think it's that. against us as a citizens, but some people would yeah. argue it's China versus us and or mm-hmm. Russia versus us. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So like that COVID isn't really killing people the way a war is. Yeah. It's sterilizing them, probably. I mean, I don't know for sure, but or whatever. Like it is doing something. And maybe we just move into the virtual realm so it doesn't matter. I don't right. know. That makes it really challenging to be able to tell who the enemy is in this new type of warfare that's being put upon us. There was another there's a, a, a I think. I think we're being attacked on on many levels. I think our health is being attacked. I think there's a lot going on there. And I see these policies that lead us to the next step. So like you, they manipulate the race tension to get a whole new kind of policing. And I feel like the, uh, like pursuant to what we're saying that just, just the, the kind of virtual world, they're changing the nature of the world, the nature of warfare. I think that they're changing the nature of the economy, our work, our autonomy, and that, and I hadn't caught this, but I've always said like the way the Department of Defense emphasizes tech develops technologies that the private sector would never develop because it's you never need to have a robot or a Siri or whatever as long as there's anybody on earth who's who's literate and unemployed because that person can transcribe for you that's why they said you would never have a Siri thing because it's just too much capital investment for something that doesn't need to be done because you could get a person to do it for 10 bucks an hour. So I always said they're developing the tech that is going to get your job replaced by a robot. But like with everything else in COVID time, it wasn't moving fast enough. So I realized another wrinkle to what the UBI is for. The UBI is not only just to establish a universal basic income, the, the stimmy checks, whatever, are to establish universal basic income and to uh get people kind of uh geared up for that or expecting that but it's so tremendously i just realized this it increases the cost of labor to the point where 
if it lasts long enough. So people are complaining all over the place that that they can't fill positions they have because no one will work for less than they're getting on the stimmy check and they're getting it. They're getting so people there's a crisis, a labor shortage just when there's there's off the charts unemployment. It's it's a paradox. Right. But if that lasts long enough, then all those companies will see the economic value in making in adopting labor saving technology, even if it costs more than you otherwise would in a free market for labor. So they would never uh, McDonald's would never have you order on an iPad while there are still $8 laborers. But if those laborers are asking $20, because that's what the stimmy floor is, then, then McDonald's does a new math. They can now pay twice or three times as much as they would have justified before and still justified. So once, once the labor saving technology is adopted, once capital has been invested, there's no ongoing cost of that really. And then you have that systemic permanent unemployment that they're looking for that will force permanent UBI. Now that was, that was one for the what to watch out for. Uh, that's interesting. I have been to one of those McDonald's that have those giant iPads where you can order at. And they also have the, the workers still working there. So you see these people walk in and they make a choice. Am I going to go to the computer or am I going to go to the person working? Almost like a competition of, of which one is going to be more valuable for the company who gets chosen. And I got to say, the computer was getting chosen in the one that I went in anyway, but that was just one Yeah, time. and you can do that just like Cowboy Stadium. Like, he let it get run down so people would demand a newer one. If the if the if if they put their worst employees on the front line, yeah. just so you can see that point. you're demanding more iPads. And that that's how I think the dock workers all lost their jobs. The U.S. used to be the number one place for shipping. And the dock workers kept striking and asking for more and asking for more. And my father's father said they are going to strike themselves out of an industry. It will be gone. Then lo, the most labor-saving device possibly in history, I really don't know, but I've heard that before, are those container ships where there are no stevedores. There are no dock workers. Everything is loaded in China to be unloaded at a Walmart in McKinney. You know, it's going to there's nothing in between but a crane onto a train or a or a truck and yeah. that's and they can blame the unions for that but it was probably the union guys being bribed to to get the union workers to take responsibility for it really makes you wonder where this new public education program is going to go when it comes to curriculum what are they going to teach kids so prince harry participated in what's called Vax Live. It's a concert that was in Los Angeles last night. And the Duke was brought out to a lot of fanfare. The audience was full of nothing but vaccinated frontline workers all wearing their scrubs. That Harry told all of them, every single one of you are awesome. And he was there with Jennifer Lopez, Ben Affleck, our friend Jimmy Kimmel, who was dressed like Robin from Batman and Robin. He looked like a clown, which he is a clown. And the Vax Live program or concert is an initiative to encourage rich countries to share their vaccines. That's that's what it is on the surface. But Prince Harry, who I've long identified as a propaganda agent who was put over here, placed in Los Angeles because of the fanfare, this very fanfare he would garner, 
in that the celebrities like to be around a duke and a prince and they they very much are they are they are falling at his feet it appears and he talked a lot about how vaccine mis and disinformation how how it spreads on social media and it spreads in traditional media and how it is a crisis a collective threat to humanity and that Mis and disinformation is a global humanitarian crisis, and that crisis is getting worse. So we have the prince focusing our attention even more on not just the disinformation problem here, but worldwide. And what are we going to do about it? How are we going to silence all of these disinformation spreaders? That was straight out of report from Iron Mountain to have a global issue that requires global action. And that's just another way to disenfranchise a citizenry. Um, but but I, you glossed over the fact that it's about getting vaccines around the world, rich country to poor country. Yeah. That was actually on my radar for a couple of reasons. One early on in this process and one now. Originally, I said the AstraZeneca Stuff The Johnson Johnson one is cheaper and does not require freezers. And therefore, I feel like they are parsing the world up into five or six sections for the live trials. We also saw an article that I tweeted last week about how Pfizer is literally has outlined formally for I don't know if it was internal purposes or whatever, just for eggheads. It wasn't like on the Wall Street Journal. It was about how in April 2021, they are starting the live trial. And in April 2022, they are going to get their conclusions. They're going to monitor ERs, deaths, all that kind of stuff based on their vaccine out there. It's pretty disgusting. Makes me sick. But I feel like the the viral vector slash gene induction slash transduction. That's as good as I can get my understanding of the tech of AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson versus the mRNA stuff, which is Pfizer and Moderna, that those those were slated for poorer countries because they did not have the freezers. So now I'm looking into I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Novavax vaccine. So this is California. It's absolutely uh, on the cutting edge of. Uh, fascist dictatorship. <laughs> and I, I really think they're going to like trick my, you know, my son who has Down syndrome is 18. And I'm afraid that there, I told him, I was like, hey man, I have the right to approve or disapprove of your medical treatment. Like you cannot let them just whatever. So I'm worried about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, and I investigate. So, I don't, you know, I gave my, got my kids all those vaccines when they were kids. Like I didn't know. And they, I'm not saying they're as healthy as they otherwise would have been, but they're okay. And I, so I thought the conventional vaccine might be something a little better than gene therapy, which has never been approved for vaccination use, if any use at all. I don't know. Well, for some use, but anyway, so the Novavax one is the conventional vaccine from what I can understand. It's, Unconventional and that uses a plant toxin instead of a heavy metal adjuvant, which sounds better to me, but who the hell knows? Toxins are toxins. Cyanide is a plant toxin, if I'm not mistaken. Arsenic. So Novavax, for some reason, has not even been authorized for emergency use, even though it's a much more conventional type of vaccine. And we have... The United States has already paid in advance, I think, for 100 million doses. A lot of crazy things are standing in the way of this thing getting produced, like in India and stuff. We have an embargo, whatever, a lot of things. But my thought was that then they said, well, this is a cheap one. We're We bought all these, but we're going to give them all away to another country. So if we want to get that one, 
And and people have said, well, we're definitely going to be able to because we already bought a hundred million. And now when you're telling me, and this did kind of throw up a flag, that we're being told or asked or saying that we're going to just give all those to somebody else. We're not going to be able to have that choice. And I don't know if it's a good one or a bad one or it's whatever, but it might be nice to have the choice. Yeah. And they have started this campaign where they are glorifying some vaccines over the others. Like Pfizer vaccine is the cool vaccine to get. I did see that. I definitely saw that. And they they wrote an article and they changed the title of it. I saw the article when it was titled what the URL is still called the sadness of the vaccine culture. And it had a glittery needle. (laughs) <laughs> and then they changed the title, but not the URL to wow. why the Pfizer vaccine is the hot one. Yeah. And so I didn't read the article, but it was clearly like vomititious propaganda. The hot one. Man, these appeals are crazy that they're using. <laughs> crazy. Super glittery. Well, before we get to our last story of the Free 30, which is Binkley's going to tell us what is the new big lie. And in the patron 15... What's a smart shirt and a gubernatorial candidate in California has raised some eyebrows for a surprising opinion about transgender athletes. So we'll have to get into that conversation in the patron 15. And of course, a big thanks to the sponsor of today's show. I always go to this one first because I love the ad. It's so funny. Let's hear it. Do you love freedom? Does the daily news leave you shaking your head? Does mindless conformity give you the heebie-jeebies? Are you surrounded by people who just don't get it? Are you right now wearing clothes? You over there, yes, you. Do you like cool clothes? Well, meet the Rye Guys, makers of fun, freedom-loving t-shirts and more, quality products for independent thinkers and other such troublemakers. We make each of our handcrafted tees with equal parts satire, mischief, and Rye social commentary. Put on one of our tees and you'll meet kindred spirits, share a laugh, and enjoy great conversation. Take off one of our tees and, well, we're not here to judge you. We support liberty, peace, and voluntary solutions to societal ills. And you have our word, our products are never tested on animals other than sacred cows. So, stop by today at www.ryguys.com That's W-R-Y-G-U-Y-S dot com. Ryguys dot com. The Rye Guys. A rye wit for today's sh- If you are interested in perusing Rye Guys, it's very fun to look at their ideas. And if you buy something from there, just use the promo code PROP10 so they know you heard it here and uh, that they're getting a little love for giving us a little love. And if you want to give us a little love directly, consider please becoming a patron. Patreon.com slash Propaganda Report is where you can get all of our extra content other our audio contents our daily content we also have rockfin which is our video stuff that's a different subscription but patreon has so much material from us and there are tiers so you can get premium content live stream cocktail parties patron only q and a but mostly and oh also in the uppermost tier you get some swag you can have one of our awesome logo coffee mugs or a t-shirt or a special discount on rockfin and the one thing though and we're gonna have a patron saint zoom party in may but when i talk to people who become patron saints they almost always just say they did it to support and we really appreciate that because of all the content that we put out, most of it's free. 
over 90% of the people who listen don't uh, support monetarily, although we get tons of support on Twitter and we get tons of reviews. We're very grateful for that. We'll take anything we can get. But in order to keep the free stuff going, if you're ever in a position, it's great if you become a patron. So check out patreon.com slash propaganda report. And now on to the show and our last big story before the patron 15, which is Binkley. What is the big lie? It sounds Hitlerian. A while back, they had dubbed that the big lie was the claims of election fraud that Trump was making and Giuliani and everybody in Linwood was making. And that kind of faded away as Biden became president. And we knew all along that there were actual election challenges going on through the legal process here in Georgia and Arizona, I believe in Michigan as well. And up in Maricopa County, they're going to be investigating the or they're going to be inspecting the ballots. A, a judge granted a group the permission to investigate the ballots and they have until mid may i believe to do it and they have millions of ballots to get through but the media we've noticed a trend that they've been trying to get ahead of what these results might be out of what i think is a fear of the outcome and the big lie has come back and the big lie according to liz cheney who says anyone promoting the big lie that the 2020 election was stolen from trump is poisoning our democratic system so we've now had rachel maddow we've now had stelter and cnn people getting ahead of the possible outcome of the election challenges. And now all the way up to Liz Cheney, who is now calling attention to what Rachel Maddow calls these conspiracy theorists that are going to get their hands on the ballot and tell you that the election was not legitimate. They are afraid of what they are going to find in these election inspections. I will say that I have never seen a greater example of non-sexism whatever feminism than that Dick Cheney, who's what seems to me evil doing sinister nature, whatever his Machiavellian behind the scenes, deep statery that he could just hand that off fully and without reservation to his daughter, who I think she's, I think she's actually gay. Is she gay? I think she I is. believe so. I think she might be. So he just, I mean, that is an example of pure, unadulterated non-discrimination. Like Quality. he embraces, yeah, whatever, whatever she is. He doesn't care at all about her identity. She is still his worthy heir. <laughs> and, uh, and I think she's, she's gearing up to live up to that. She, she actually reminds me more of John McCain than Dick Cheney, but really. And she might even take that as a compliment. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised because she's she's like the worst of all worlds. She's I, I don't know if she's a warmonger. When the time comes, she definitely will be. But she's also like a liberal. Yeah. You know, anti-Trump. And I'm sure she wants all these liberal programs. I don't know. I mean, I should probably investigate. But I, I just find the whole Cheney legacy something that is a super cringy, especially when you spent the weekend watching 9-11 documentaries. Yeah. I mean, you wake up with... In the middle of the night, sweating that like Dick Cheney's in your room. Like, ah. <laughs> Liz Cheney is actually not gay. Her sister is gay. Oh, okay. Well, he never, he always defended that chick and more power to them. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I just think that why don't we hold Dick Cheney up as, a, 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 you know, he's more of a, 
an identity champion than Biden. I can't think of anything Biden ever did in his personal yeah, that's, life. That, that's a great point. That's well, a great point. You know, he supported his woman. His, he supports his womanizing son who betrayed his other son on a deathbed, knocks up prostitutes. You know, all the things that are just the worst thing you could do to women. Right. Biden is, is this propped what up. This, and, yeah. Right. Is in the Biden family. Yeah. But in the Cheney family. They're open, you know, every, right? Everybody gets to drink the baby's blood. Right. And you make a great point that liberals, at least a while ago, they did not like Dick Cheney. They probably still don't. But now you see people on the left, they praise and love his daughter because she is speaking out against the big lie. It could be a case of what I read when I read a few books about the Kennedys that Joe, Big Joe, told the kids, his sons, that the wave of the future was social democracy or whatever you want to call it. Like, ride that wave. They would have been conservative if he thought that was the wave. Yes. So he told them that. I highly recommend a Taylor Caldwell book, Captains and the Kings, which was a real epic saga, but it was loosely based, thinly veiled, if you will, on the Kennedys. But it was really Taylor Caldwell. She is a page turner. And uh, I will tell you, we have lots more to talk about, but we're going to have to do it in the patron 15 because we're out of time. All right. You guys can find your drive time news blast every week afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content Monica was telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report or go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report. Sign up there. We will talk to you all tomorrow or on the Patreon 15. Have a fantastic rest of your day and stay safe if you're in Georgia because there's a lot of flash flooding going on right now. 